You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. We are on glorification. The story of salvation ends with glorification. We have been through atonement, calling, regeneration, conversion, justification, sanctification, and now finally, glorification. Glorification is almost like trying to describe the sky, in a sense, when I first looked at it. Some people can look and just go outside and say, "Eh, it's the sky. But the sky itself is more complex and in-depth if you truly look into it. Uh, Me and my wife just had the opportunity to go with the youth to Colorado. And we spent a week up there. And there was many of days when I spent in my quiet time and I just looked at the sky. Uh, Some days it was just a beautiful blue with not a cloud in, in sight. And other days, there were some clouds mixed in, and there were some grays mixed into the clouds as well. And one time, I could look out, and I could see a rain cloud, and it was raining. But still yet, there was sun shining on either side of it. It was beautiful, and it was breathtaking. The sky is a complex thing that sometimes we just may overlook and take for granted at times. That's how I felt when I first started to look at glorification. There's a couple of points that I want to point across on glorification, and that glorification is something to come. It's something that hasn't happened yet, but we anticipate it something that we hope for. It is something that we are looking forward to. To really gain an understanding of the end of salvation and glorification, we've got to start at the beginning. So, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and it was good. He created every living creature from the fish to the sea to the birds in the sky. And it was good. He created man and woman, and again, he saw that it was good. In Genesis 1.31, it tells us, it says, God saw all he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, if you know how the story goes, man was tempted and we fell and sin entered the world. The Word tells us that the ground is cursed by Adam. That it will produce thorns and thistles for us. And by the sweat of our brow, we will eat our food until... We return to the ground. It also tells us, for dust you are, and dust you will return. 
So, it is no longer good. Our bodies are no longer good, and the earth is no longer good. And now we are in need of a Redeemer, a Savior, somebody to redeem us back to God. The Word tells us that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. His name is Jesus. He is our Redeemer who died on a cross to redeem us back to God. He was risen after three days and now He sits at the right hand of the Father. And one day, He will come back for His people. So that is kind of like the short, compact version of it all. But if you know, there's way more complex than just that. But to gain an understanding of where we're going, we've got to know where we came from. So let's turn to Romans chapter 8, and we will start in verse 23 through 25. And it reads, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this we hope we were saved. But what hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Paul is writing the Romans here about a future glory. That we who follow Christ have the first fruits of the Spirit, that He lives within us. And we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies, of our mortal bodies, to be transformed out of this limited shell into a glorious body that is no longer imperfect, that is no longer fragile, that no longer gets sick, but into a perfect, glorified body. And he says that we hope for this, that we wait for it patiently. It reminds me of a time when, when we have kids or when you were born and your parents were anticipating your birth or for you to be born. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't remember personally when I was born. But I do remember when my daughter was born. When me and my wife wanted to try for our third and final child, you know, we just didn't go to the doctor and say, hey, we want another kid. We would like to have it to have blonde hair, blue eyes, and kind of pick it out of a vending machine type sword. No. We had to wait. And like so many others, we had to try and try and try, and it took multiple years for my wife to get pregnant. But once she got pregnant, we had to wait some more. 
we had to wait nine months until I got to see my beautiful daughter. But in that time, we got to see the growth and the progress of her body and of my daughter. We got to feel the baby kick. We got to feel the, the baby move until she was born. So it is as we wait for the Lord to come back for us. We wait patiently for our bodies to be glorified. But in the meantime, we grow in Him, and we should show growth to glorify God. So I've read many books and many sermons in preparation for this sermon, and I love reading some of the, the notes that the person that read the book before me and put in it, and, and their knowledge and their wisdom is so far advanced and leaps and bounds in what I can even try to say that I felt like if I was to try to dub it down to, to get my point across, it would miss the point completely. So I'm going to allow you to know exactly what they said here in just a second. It says, one of them reads, it says, A tra transformed life reflects God's glory. Another one said that God is glorified when he sees himself in the character of the believer. And John Piper puts it as, he says, Glorification is the work of God by which he makes his children both spiritually and physically glorious. It begins now as a process of becoming holy, and it ends at the resurrection when we receive our new and glorious body. We are eagerly anticipating that day when He comes back for us. But right now we are having to wait patiently. But as we wait, I don't know about many of you, but I know when I have to wait for something, sometimes my mind can stray and I can get bored and I can do stuff that I'm not supposed to be doing. And, and so we do. And we as sinful nature creatures, we can take the glory of God and we can twist it and get it wrong and we can put, it, put the focus on something else rather than God Himself. Paul writes this to the Romans in Romans 1. Verses 21 through 23, and it reads, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. One of the last things that stuck out to me in my studying, it, it, said, it said many people say they have a love for God, but their love is only a pleasure in God as the giver of good gifts and pleasant circumstances. 
This type of love is really a love of, of self because God is not the supreme object of the appreciation. It's merely a love for God as a provider, a, a Santa Claus type of God. Like, what can I get today? It's not a biblical love. The Bible teaches us that us, that we, are not the center. Life is not about the lakefront home, the fabulous vacation, or the early retirement. It's about who God is, what His interests are and how we can bring our lives in line with Him. It reminds me of a time when I actually put my hope in something that had no power. None, none whatsoever. Uh, Vividly. We had been in our house for probably two to three years. And we were looking into uh, getting an, an alarm system. Uh, the alarm system we were looking at was state-of-the-art. I mean, it had all the sensors, the motion detectors, the, the laser beams. I mean, you name it, it had it. I mean, it didn't have the laser beams. That was one option that I couldn't find in any of them. But if anyone does have them, I'll, I'm going to look into it. Uh, but anyhow, we looked into these alarm systems and we finally decided on one. And I can remember vividly when we got it because along the same lines, around, along the same times, given a week or two, uh, I remember because I just bought myself my new hunting rifle. I had saved up for months to buy this deer rifle. It was very nice. It was very pretty. Uh, it was stainless steel. Uh, I liked everything about it except the stock of it, the, the body of it, the frame of it. When it came in and I pulled it out of the box, I looked at it and I was just like, Ugh, I spent all this money and it is ugly. And so I was still saving up for other accessories to go on to the uh, rifle itself, like the scope and the sling and everything else. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and replace this ugly plastic black synthetic stock with a nicer one. And so I did. Uh, I went and I bought a uh, nice wood stock for it. And when it came in, I... God, I was so excited. It came in kind of late, but uh, when the first thing it came, I went ahead and I tore it all down, and I put it onto the rifle, and man, it looked like a piece of art. It was beautiful. And so it was getting late, and so I just laid them on the side of my bed, and I went on to bed. And that night, probably about 1 or 2 in the morning, I was awoken by a loud screaming alarm going off in my house. So what do I do? I jump up out of my bed, grab my rifle that is on the side of my bed, 
and I am going to go find what has caused my alarm to go off. And as I'm going from my bedroom to the, through the house, the only thing that is in my mind is protect the family. My heart is pounding. It's, it's just the excitement. My drilling and it's rushing. And I'm going through the house and I look through the hallway, through the kitchen, and I notice that my back door is wide open. And now I'm super scared. I don't see any movement going on and throughout the house, so I continue to make my way to the back door. When I get to the back door, I notice my dog standing there. Who had just jumped on my back door and pushed it wide open. Woosha. There was a sigh of relief. But after all the excitement settled down, I finally I look down to see what I have in my hands, and it's not my rifle. What I have in my hands instead is this plastic black synthetic stock. My rifle instead is in the safe where it ought to have been. But in my hands, I had something that had no power. It looked like my rifle. It felt my, like my rifle. But if there was any opposition or any danger coming in through that back door, I had no hope. That thing, it didn't, couldn't bring the glory like my rifle could. So it is when we put our hope in anything else in this world other than God. Our thinking becomes futile. We exchange the glory of God for something that doesn't have the power of God. It could be ourselves. It could be our jobs, our career, our children. It could be anything. It's basically like we're taking the, the created and worshiping in it rather than worshiping and finding the glory in the Creator. This is a sin that could so easily entangle us. And we must do our utmost to avoid this sin. And if you find yourself in this place, then to acknowledge it and to turn away from it. Because when Jesus comes back for His people, we will be with God in His glory. And that will be the final glory. We will be with Him in His presence. Revelation 21 3 through 4 reads, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
We will no longer have to anticipate any longer because our patiently waiting would come to a pass and we will be with God in His glory. Our approach to God will be direct. Our worship will be immediate. And our communion will be unbroken. We won't have to go to a building to worship Him because John tells us, he says, I did not see a temple in that city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We will be in His presence forever and ever. The curse will be no more. Revelation also tells us, it says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God would give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The glory of God will be so bright and so great that there would be no need for a sun. That's all, that's all, I can't imagine that. We won't need the light of a lamp because we will be in His presence, in His glory. No one has actually ever seen God in all His glory. He tells Moses that no man can see me in my glory and live but we will be able to when He comes back for His people. But we, when we are with God and with our redeemed bodies, we will be with Him forever and ever. I cannot wait. But, like any story, there's always a but. That time has not yet come. And we are patiently waiting for it. Like Paul told the Romans, but if we hope for we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So what can we do while we wait for the glorification of our salvation? We can be ready. We can be ready like the parable of the ten virgins that Jesus talks about in Matthew. Or how Peter puts it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. He reads, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? We ought to live a holy and godly lives as we look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. 
as we wait for the day of our glorification for our salvation, we can live a life worthy of Christ. Glorification is something that hasn't happened yet, and we patiently wait for it. But as we wait, we need to make sure that we don't put anything in the place of God's glory. For when He comes back for His people, the final glory will be us with Him for eternity in heaven. But while we wait, we can live a life worthy of Him and bring Him glory till that day comes. I hope this message brings you hope and encouragement until that day thanks again for listening to the podcast today we hope that you were blessed and encouraged and if you have any questions or comments we want you to let us know simply send your thoughts to questions at bethelbible.com thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the bethel bible podcast